Well, we welcome you back once again here to the Christian Apostolic Center podcast, where we are endeavoring to be disciples that make other disciples. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your show host here, Alex Spooner. And with me, my good friend and my co-host with me this month is Brother Matthew Bell. Bro, good to have you on the podcast again today. It's good to be here as always. Yes, sir. excited about the topic today. Yeah, we're continuing our Well-Versed series going through uh, Dr. James Garlow's book, Biblical Answers to Today's Toughest Issues. And today on the docket is socialism and a little bit of capitalism as well. What's biblical? What should the church and Christianity be practicing and promoting? As always, please stay tuned and listen in. Well, good evening to all of our CAC family and any guests that are tuning in to watch our live stream here on Wednesday evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Alex Spooner here, your co-host, or excuse me, your show host, I, I guess is what I'm called. My good friend, Brother, You're the show host, brother Matthew the Bell is uh, here with me again. Um, which means we're diving back into another topic and another chapter in our well-versed book. Um, and before I introduce what the topic is and I go in, um, in any further, as always, please go ahead and share this post. That way more people can uh, receive the content and alerts of the content that we have here on the podcast. We want to reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and you guys help us out so much, tremendously, when you are able to share and post and comment about uh, the content that we are putting out. And those that are tuning in via podcast, um, we ad- we attempt to download and um, release new content each and every week, usually on Tuesday or Wednesday. And so if you download this and subscribe, you'll get alerted every time we do that so you can have the most up-to-date content um, and, and uh, go ahead and download that. That will help us out tremendously as well. A lot of people and countries were reaching um, through the podcast, which is awesome. We're thankful to the Lord for that. So as I mentioned, we're going back into another chapter of the Well-Versed book. If you haven't picked it up yet, I believe, bro, this is our third yes. third episode doing this. Once a month, we're, we're breaking down. Um, we're not taking a break from Scripture. We're, we're just taking a, um, a cultural, economic, political, different um, current events and topics that are going on, um, big, tough questions that are going on in our world, and we're having biblical responses, and we're using some of the material from Dr. James Gardle's book. So pick this up if you haven't already. Um, today we're going to be kind of diving into chapter 13, um, uh, which is capitalism and socialism. Yeah, And it's kind of a big one because we it's a hot-button topic right now, especially through this last election. Uh, you know, we won't dive into all those details there, but, boy, we have seen such a um, progression and a lot of progress in the socialist um, backing, and uh, in, in from Americans, especially in the younger generation, oh, it's crazy. Um, but also even even in the middle age and older generation as well. So that's what we're going to talk about, and we kind of wanted to break down this before we went any further. The difference between Christian, uh, excuse me, difference between socialism and capitalism is there really a difference? Because I know you quoted Barack Obama earlier in the uh, uh, pre-recording. Yeah. He made the uh, statement: "There is really no difference." Yeah. Um, and I think they think there is a difference, but I mean, what is the differences? Yeah. No, that this is this is kind of what he said. One one person wrote, um, and I enjoy this uh, statement, so I'd rather just read it than, than try to regurgitate it. He said, "Quite likely, the most shocking, naive, and uh, benighted statement ever uttered on economics by a sitting U.S. president was made." <laughs> by President Barack Obama 
in March 2016. He told Argentinian youth that there is a little difference between communism or socialism and capitalism, so they should just choose what works best. Hmm. Uh, of course, that statement is not only ignorant, yeah. it's, it's extremely naive, and it's ignorant and naive because it's a statement that definitely was not examined and tested by history. Yeah. And we know how history plays out on uh, on the communism and socialism side. Yeah. Obviously, you can't have communism without socialism. Yeah. Socialism. Yeah. But you de- definitely can't have communism with capitalism. Absolutely not. They are, they are complete <laughs> opposites. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to read a couple definitions, and I'm not going to get into communism. Um, yeah. If you want to learn about communism, uh, look up. Adolf Hitler, he'll be able to teach you. A Joseph, few Stalin, um, Joseph Stalin. My fun fact for you: communism is the biggest killer um, of any human being in the history of our earth. Um, yeah, it, it's uncalculable how many millions of people social, or excuse me, uh, communism um, has, yeah. has killed yeah. over the years. But anyway, another good book. Um, Merriam Dictionary says this in regards to capitalism. Um, an economic system characterized by private or corporate ownership of capital goods. By in, Now, I want us to focus on private or corporate ownership. Notice it does not say government ownership. Right. So it's, it's in regards, it's referring to individual ownership. You yourself, today, in a capitalism country, you could go out, start a company, and hire employees, and that would be under you. You have that company. That is under a capitalistic society. Okay. So um, it says capital goods by investment that are determined by private decisions. The government can't determine the decisions that you make for your personal company on how you're going to make it profitable. Um, in a, in a, a capitalistic society, that's based on private decision. And by, privacy, uh, and by prices, they can't determine prices. They can't determine the products you offer and the distri- and how do you are going to distribute the goods. Um, that is the definition of capitalism. Now, yeah. I'm going to so- show the main difference between capitalism and socialism, mm-hmm. which is probably one of the best ways to understand a way of. This is socialism, a way of organizing a society in which major industries are owned and controlled by the government rather than by individual people and companies. This is the big difference between the two. Capitalism promotes private-owned uh, companies and industries. Socialism does not. Hmm. Socialism promotes, and not only promotes, mandates, mandates. That's good government-owned word. companies. In other words, we the people don't have control. The industry, the owner of the industry does not have the control. It is the government that determines everything in regards to that. How much you pay your employees, how much you get paid as the operator of that company, uh, what kind of products and how much you're going to charge for those products. The government controls it. So the, the big difference is, and, and I remember having a conversation with someone, um, and they're big on socialism. And I said, you want to know the main difference between me and you? And he said, yes. I said, I don't trust the government. You do. He said, absolutely. Mm. That is the major difference between the two. Conversation ended because it really can't go any further when one person trusts the federal government. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I I think one of the major differences 
is uh, to sum it up like this. Another thing we talked about in the pre-recording, um, socialism says complete equity, even to outcome. So no matter what, equal yeah. outcome. No matter who the individual equality. is, complete equality. Yeah. Now, obviously, someone might be, well, hold on, I believe in equality. Absolutely, you know, it, you're a Christian. Yeah, you definitely believe in equality. Yeah. We believe in, as far as economic systems, the equality and of opportunity. Yes, that no matter good. black, white, yellow, doesn't matter what country you're from, doesn't matter your height, doesn't matter your weight, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what you did. Uh, I mean, I mean, short of breaking the law yesterday, uh, you have the same opportunity. Me and you, Pastor, Mr. Producer, everybody that is here in America has the same opportunity each and every day within the 24-hour period to do something. Yeah. Now, obviously, your outcome uh, with what you do with your opportunity it's probably, it's gonna be different than mine. Yeah, it, it's based off hard work. It's based off investment. It's based off time. It's based off what you're willing to put yeah. into it, what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing to risk. There's so many yeah. different factors there, but those are the two major differences. Socialism says no matter what, equal outcome. Capitalism says no matter what, equal opportunity. You determine the yeah. outcome, and exactly. that's really awesome. That's why so many people flood. <laughs> Flood our country and our nation each and every day. Flood our uh, country. Millions of people are trying to get in here legally and illegally, and they're fleeing, by the way, c- the communism and socialism uh, uh, economic yeah. systems now to come to a capitalist system because they want that. They just want a chance. Yeah. They want an opportunity to determine their own destiny. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's why America's called Land of Opportunity. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, one, w- one way to word it, and I know we're going to move on. Uh, to some of our main points here tonight, but it's equality of choices, which more so is the same as opportunity. But the equality of choices is you get to choose what you want to do. Um, really takes a lot of personal responsibility. That's why a lot of people don't like capitalism because they got to look in the mirror and say, I failed in this system. Mm-hmm. And so socialism, you can't do that because we all yeah. get on several Right. We all get our choices taken away. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, That's not good. <laughs> um, but equality of choices, and I love how you said it, whether you're black, whether you're a woman, whether you're Asian, whether you're white, we all can make the choice today on kind of what we want to do outside, obviously outside, uh, uh, within the parameters there's, of the law, obviously, law. Absolutely. which is which is voted upon by the people, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so important to have yes. that, that capitalistic as well. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, so the, I know a lot of, especially our CAC family here, um, and those tuning in, you may be like, okay, yeah, absolutely, like this, I understand this. Of course, I am. I I, I don't promote socialism I, you know you may, maybe you don't understand it maybe you just you know based off that quick definition that we just gave yeah um you're all about equal opportunity but not all about my hard work not paying off um, more so than somebody that is not working and so um the reason we brought up this topic more so today obviously is because in the bible we see some different uh events that happen throughout scripture and particularly in the book of Acts. Now, you know, being uh, a United Pentecostal church, just being apostolic, the book of Acts, the early church history of the birth of the church, that's a big deal. We um, we love the book of Acts. We love all of the Bible, but we definitely love the book of Acts as far as looking at what was the formula and the pattern for being born again of water and spirit was what we see Jesus talking about in right. John 3, 5. We see the fruition of that in Acts 2. And so... Um, we're talking about this because within Christianity, there is a, a definitely a more recent big push, but a historical big push 
um, and belief that socialism is biblical and it's yeah. biblically based and it's biblically based out of Acts 2. Um, and, and so all of us, you know, obviously um, Pentecostals were kind of, I, I was taken back when I first began to study this a little bit, but and you may have been like, whoa, you know, socialism taught in Acts chapter 2. I don't see that. Um, and you'd be right. You you don't see that there, but it is taught. And just as you said, Barack Obama is talking to who? Young people, Young people. in Argentina. Uh, Argentina. Uh, this These are the type of things that are being taught uh, to our young people um, all across America. And so it's important that we kind of understand, um, you know, we ask ourselves the question, we take an honest look, is socialism taught in the Bible? So I just kind of want to introduce this a little bit. Yeah. In the Washington Post, um, there was an article a few years ago, and it was on faith or the faith section. They have that in the Washington Post. Um, and I'm just going to quote a, a short passage from there. It says this, that Christianity explicitly states that it is a socialist-supporting um, religion and it is anti-capitalist. Now, I mean, you just broke down socialism capitalism. And this article uh, on faith in the Washington Post is saying Christianity is socialist and anti-capitalist. Um, it's like, okay, what in the world, what are they talking about here? Well, the center point for their argument um, by the authors in the article is, as I said, Acts 2, the early Christian community in Acts 2 and through chapters 3, 4, and 5, that they had all things in common, and it mandates socialism and or communism. What a claim. That's a big deal um, for you know for all of us in the room that obviously you know we're Christian and we, we live, yeah. breathe the Bible, <laughs> love to follow after Christ. This is just not something that you know some people might pick up and see. This is a pretty um, – th- this statement has a lot of weight saying that the, the doctrine that me and you believe uh, in, in Christ, Christianity, supports socialism and is anti-capitalist. we got to make sense of that. Um, at least we got to break down and see what the Bible says. Right. And so right. – um, if we kind of go there, if you guys do have your Bibles, as always, if, if, you ha- if you're able to follow along, you're getting much more out of the lesson or, and the topic of conversation. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. Uh, I'm going to start there. I'm not going to use the KJV. I believe this is an NKJV version here just to kind of give us a little bit um, better understanding. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2, 44. All those who had believed were together. Now, this is just following Acts chapter 238, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost for the first time. Um, you have 15 different nations and uh, represented there. They're all in Jerusalem. And so it says this, All those that had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as any might have need. That's Acts chapter 2, 44 and 45. Now, this is the second part to their argument is in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 35. It says this, of the early congregation, Not one of them claimed anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. Verse 34, For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales. Verse 35, lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would distribute to them as any had need. So that right there is the crux and the foundation of the argument from what we're calling Christian socialism. Why a Christian, um, according to the Washington Post and according to people uh, in culture, a Christian should believe socialism. 
And so uh, they, they would see the apostles as being the government, um, and, and they brought bring everything after selling, selling their some of their land and possessions, and they would trust, your friend would say, see, they trust the apostles, we should trust the government. Now, me and you both know that's a pretty big leap and, and, and unbiblical, um, but that's the argument. And so that's why we're talking about this tonight, because we want to make sure that we're reading and interpreting Scripture properly. That we are able to, when this argument may be brought up, that we're not taken by surprise. Um, but as being Acts 2 believers, we, we can explain and give a, a true biblical contextual explanation to what's going on here in Acts chapter 2. Because it would seem right. on the surface, um, you know, to someone that maybe hasn't studied it, hasn't looked into it, this looks a lot like redistribution of wealth. I'm not trusted with my own possessions. I'm, I trust it to somebody else. They distribute it for the greater good of all humanity. See, isn't this what they did in the early church? And so should we practice that today? That's my question. Right. That's the question. I, th- I think the the thing that uh, people have to be careful about is, number one, we, we say it all the time here, and that's context. Yes, sir. A misrepresentation of context. Um, you know, when you re- when you read those scriptures or even read the article to me, the first thing I come up with, I'm curious if this guy is even a Christian. Who's, you know, I don't know. The articles do not disclose thing. that. No, they don't. They just throw information out there and then people get deceived because of, uh, what does the scripture say? My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. knowledge. Or, uh, one, one writer said a lack of understanding. Yeah. Um, but l- let's look at the context. And we, me and you were talking about this a little bit. The context is the background, the location, the people of when it was, mm-hmm. where were all these people from. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the context, as we already know, me and you. And also, by the way, context has to be hermeneutical. Har- uh, uh, I don't think that's an actual proper word. Hermeneutical. Horme- hermeneutically yeah. correct with all scripture. Yes. So to interpret proper context, you have to also interpret with proper scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible is harmonized together. Absolutely. So when you when you go into understanding the context of a scripture, you have to make sure that harmonizes with the rest uh, with of the, the, the whole yeah, voice with of the scripture. whole voice of scripture. You can't yeah. take as this person, as this writer, uh, whoever he was, I'm assuming he's he's probably not one that studies the Bible but read a passage and says, "Look, this is what it says," but not understanding the rest of it. Um, we cannot take this scripture and say, look, that means there's socialism and then not look at the rest of uh, as yeah. what Paul taught when yeah. he said, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Yeah. Or when he says, I was an example of to you. And we'll bring up those scriptures yeah. in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's understand that first. Yeah, the context. Right after they received the Holy Ghost, remember, number one, the church was extremely new. Yeah. This has never happened before. Mm-hmm. This has never been done before. Yeah. And there were thousands upon thousands of people in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem that were not living in Jerusalem. No, they were there because it was um it, it was the it was the it was the feasts. It yeah. was the time of uh multiple people all over came to Jerusalem. The Bible lists 15 different nations and uh, different tongues that were there that normally wouldn't be in Jerusalem. Yeah. They were there for a special occasion. Yeah. Um, kind of miraculous how and it's no incident or accident that the Lord chose to pour out the Holy Spirit um, in such a miraculous way where all where people could understand languages um, that were being spoken in their native tongue 
that that person didn't learn um, when they grew up. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So that's part of the context that we have. People that are out of town <laughs> um, uh, coming into Jerusalem, then we have the birth of the church. Exactly. I I mean, I know this is a really simple uh, like uh, <laughs> analogy, but I'm going to use it anyways. And I'm going to get away with it. <laughs> oh, you ever go into grandma's house? You're out of town. You're at grandma's house. She's in another state. At least I grew up like that, so I can use this. <laughs> and unexpectedly, you stay there a little longer than expected. Oh, you know, you say, you know what? I'm going to stay at grandma's house. Guess who's going to feed you? Guess who's going to take care of you? Grandma's going to take care of you. I, I look at the story and I see the people that are coming to Jerusalem, expecting to leave right after the feast and go back home. Absolutely. Go back to their careers and their jobs and tending their sheep and tending their flock and, and doing what they know to make money. And then they all of a sudden their lives transformed in a moment. They're yeah. like, I want to stay at grandma's house. <laughs> I never want to leave. I want to stay here. And and I, th- I, I could see this in Scripture to where uh, an unexpected change sometimes causes unexpected things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as, though, as though in the Scripture we see how they operated for a period of time, uh, as we continue on in the Scripture and we go into uh, Paul and the apostles writing to the church after this, this new birth experience took place, we can see that it doesn't necessarily align as what they took on as a lifestyle, yeah. but only for a momentary need to handle the, the birth of the church at that time. See, so, you, and, and we haven't mentioned the number yet, but remember the Bible says right at, and towards the end of Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people. Yeah. So you already have, now remember the Bible, it says about 120. Yeah. Could be a little more, could be less, but I mean, let's assume it's the exact 120. And then all of a sudden, you have 3,000 people. Now, yeah. remember this. The 120 represented the church up until that point. Uh, yeah. th- those were the believers. Those are the people that um, listened to what Jesus said. I'm assuming some of them, obviously, extended family, but some of them are those that um, Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, some of the four or 500 people that he showed himself um, alive to. Some of those 120 might be them. But that's you had 120. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, you have exponential multiplication growth, and you have 3,000-plus people a part of the church. Yeah. They have just had this exp- – now, let's break it down as simple as we can, as you've already been doing. They, some of them don't even speak the same language. They, they're <laughs> right. out of town. They're from far, far areas. They, they were unexpected. Um, they're unexpectedly in this moment, this miraculous moment after Peter has proclaimed, you, you have just crucified Christ – they're moved to such conviction. They're like, what do we have to do to be saved? That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, and and what, what, what a great picture and sermon that is. And so now the day of Pentecost happens, and they're sitting there, and it's like me and Sister Becca just got back from vacation. I pack for a week. I only yeah. pack for a week. If I if exactly. if, if everything went wrong and all of a sudden I'm going to be stuck in a West Coast state for months, I don't know what I'm going to do. Exactly. And so that's they're in that moment. Put yourself in their shoes. Some of them have families. Some of the, the men, the women, the children, they're there. Um, they, they have brought provisions uh, on the most basic level to take care of a certain amount of time, the trip there, yeah. the stay, and the trip back. Only for the need. For the, the need, exactly. Say. And that's going to be a, 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 a point of emphasis as we go forward. And so you have these people. And so then when you're in that context and you begin to see those that had, maybe those that were local, 
part of the 120, those that had, those that were blessed, those that had abundance, they seen the, watch this, the immediate need yes. that was presented by the church. Yes. And that's where we begin to pick up. Now we can read Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, and Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 32 and 35. Yes. We can begin to see why that was happening. Yeah. There was such a great immediate need. Uh, and, of course, the church, the people of God, uh, Christ saying one of the greatest commandments, love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to feed these people. Yeah. You're going to take care of these people. You're going to yeah. have some shelter for them. Yeah. But what we need to make sure we realize is that eventually these people return home. Yeah. Um, eventually you get on your flight that's been canceled and delayed for however long, and you make it back home. Yeah. There's a big difference between meeting a need of an individual and enabling that person to live off your hard work. Yeah, um, I, I want to kind of bring up a quick, quick uh, story. When Jesus fed the five thousand, yeah, he had two fish, three loaves, broke them up, distributed to everybody, and there was extra, right? Whoa, isn't that socialism right there? Redistribution, re- 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 redistributing <laughs> exactly. wealth, exactly. But you remember uh, the disciples were like, "Well, let's let's shoo them away so they can they can eat. They're hungry." And Jesus saw the need. What did he say? He said, they're not going to make it home. Yeah. If we shoo them away, they're not going to make it home. He, What did he do? He represented the need. Yeah. And he said, we're going to take care of the need first, yeah. and then you send them home. Uh, so this is my point. Uh, God took care of the need. Jesus took care of the need, but then he sent them home. Yeah. At some point of time, we're going to have to recognize uh, that the Scripture is not teaching living the lifestyle of a socialist mentality yeah but rather meeting the need where it's needed and teaching people to work hard so they also can meet needs that come and go yeah Uh, i'll give you a a, one thing that we talked about earlier it says the church meets the immediate need as you have already said but does not enable the lifestyle of always depending on the church yes that's it that's it. There's one there's one thing and one person we should be consistently dependent on, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is it. Um and and that's really important for us to remember. Let let let, let let's break down some verses and some yeah. scripture. Um you already mentioned Second Thessalonians three ten. Paul is pretty clear. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Yeah. Doesn't sound like socialism. No, that that that's a big deal. Paul is very yeah. explicit on that. I know you have uh, what first Thessalonians two nine. Do you have that verse? What is first Thessalonians? Um, I believe, yeah, First Thessalonians two nine. Yeah. Now remember, uh, this was when uh, Paul was at Thessalonian, and he, he was being an example unto them. Mm-hmm. So he says, "Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked mm. among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living." so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. Wow. Yeah. Well, hard work. It's hard work. I mean, I, again, I, I know that we have a lot of, we, we, have, we have an amazing church family here at CEC, and, and I know we have some people tuning in or listening um, that may not be a part of our immediate family, but a, a lot of people listening are like, well, of course, hard work. But you have to understand that the, the consequences of a socialistic socialistic idea yeah. um, it negates any reward or any or any earnings from hard work no matter what you do no matter how hard you work 
Um, do, do you, I know this is a, a – I don't know if you've read the book. I know in school, public school, they make you read the book Animal Farm, and I'm glad they do. But there's a horse in there, and a, after the pigs take over the farm, um, they're, they're repre- the book is designed to represent how a, a, an America and a capitalistic free uh, opportunity nation can fall. And these pigs rise to power, and they begin to mandate um, – uh, they bring take over. It's communism at its best, um, just like you see Hitler, just like you see Stalin and Red Red uh, Red and over in Russia. They're incurred all that. It's yes. like 1940, 1984, Brave New World. All these books, George Orwell and these other authors that they've written, um, telling stories about what could happen and what they see happening. So it's just another book like that. And the horse in that in that book, Animal Farm. Um, it's it's kind of laughable, but it's true. The principles there. He just says, just keep working hard. We can we can get through this if we just keep working hard. But what the horse didn't realize is that his hard work wasn't wasn't getting him anywhere because in, a, in, in the system, the socialist and communist system that was being set up around him, hard work wasn't rewarded. Hard work didn't get you anywhere. It got you the same thing as the pigs in the yeah. book who weren't doing anything. And eventually, unfortunately, the horse works himself near to death, and he gets sent to – um, a, a glue factory. Now I know that's kind of laughable, and some people that have read that book um, may be chuckling because you know you just remember it. But but the principle is there. In a socialistic uh, society, you're reading Paul talking about hard work that doesn't cooperate. Yeah. And again, we're breaking down the idea that Christianity and the Bible teaches socialism, and it's just not there. Yeah. Um, it's not there at all. And I I, I do want to kind of bring this up if that's okay. It's that. You know, I I agree, and and I think you would agree with this too. I agree with a socialism mentality if God was in charge of it. Right, yeah, yeah. If he was the one redistributed everything. If he was not only redistributed everything, but held every individual accountable as he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but But understand, God is not foolish enough to think as we should not be fool enough, foolish enough to think that people are can be elevated to a level in which they know every moral compass of what to do in every individual's life. Only God can do that. That's right. And as far as I'm aware, uh, God is, I mean, he's coming back, but yeah. he's not here physically. No, no, he's not. And uh, we, we need to understand that God didn't set this thing up for, you know, for us to act as popes all yeah. over the world. Yeah. Uh, and look at the pope. I mean, he has more money than you'll ever have. Does that represent socialism property as every Catholic uh, rich, as every Catholic uh, millionaire? Is uh, every, not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. No. But there are people that give and give and give and give, but that giving is abused because it's in the hands of man. Yeah, and we're fallen. Amen. And, and Amen. fun fact for everybody, when the pilgrims first, some of the first people here to land on Plymouth Rock, uh, it it is historically noted, and, and in their books and accounts, they started out as a socialist uh, group. Yeah, the Pilgrims, Christians, yeah. very staunch Christians. Um, I mean, just awesome people. I love reading about the Pilgrims, but they they started out in a socialism mindset and system of government. Yeah, but it did not last, and they actually abandoned it because they realized with fallen people, a human nature. Um, Someone's going to decide and exploit the system. I really don't have to work very hard. Exactly. Maybe not even show up, and I will get the same 
no matter what equal outcome as my brother or sister who is working hard, who is faithful, who is consistent. Yeah. We believe in grace. We believe in course correction. We believe in people um, getting back on track. I, absolutely. But they knew, even the pilgrims knew, listen, we, we can't do this. This is not a good system. We can't survive. Yeah. Um, and so that, I, th- I think that's really important. Um, I also think it's funny when uh, Peter and John they were going to the uh, gate beautiful and the lame man was on the side of the road and you know a lot of people think oh they had tons of money you know everybody sold their land they had tons of money when when they met the the lame man what did they say we don't have any silver, silver and gold. gold i don't have any of that but what i do have i give to you and they healed the man and how many people were saved yeah uh, if we're oh Here's where spiritual thing, your spiritual really comes. If we're really concerned on whether or not we should have a socialistic mentality, it should be whether or not we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people, they use Christianity to argue a lot of government-type mentalities and what they stand for and ideologies. But what about the true purpose of the church? Because we don't stand and argue every person should be preaching the gospel of Christ. We don't stand and argue and say your neighbor should know about Jesus, but you're not telling them or sharing it with them. But we'll all argue about money and how the church operates with all these types of things. What we really need to be concerned about is are we sharing the gospel? That's it. Because that's the most valuable thing you possess. That's it. And and what what you just jumped into um, is kind of what we wanted to end with, and that is this concept of spiritual socialism we, we've broken this down and again i make reference to our cac family because we have a we have an amazing group here what a great family of god that that is just so many solid rock people you, you you've been amening this entire time you're like you know i understand this brother matt brother alex you know this is awesome I'm glad you're hitting it for somebody else but i got i got this yeah this is where it really comes full circle for everybody we got to be careful that we're not super well versed and consistent with our uh, our understanding and the the understanding of the, the evils of socialism that it can produce, we got to make sure that spiritually we haven't become we haven't unconsciously slipped into a, a spiritual socialism belief system um, that we depend completely upon somebody else for our well being. I'm not talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the 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 spiritual socialism idea that and as pastor has said so often we just completely depend upon the church to take care of raising our kids um teaching them how to love god teach you know uh, completely providing everything that a believer needs to survive spiritually on a sunday or on a monday night prayer meeting that's just not biblical and that's imp- it's important that we don't allow ourselves to walk in that mindset and live that way spiritually um because Bro, I, I, it can be very easy to do, um, even though we can understand the political system. We got to make sure we understand the spiritual way that God has set this up. You depend on one person alone, and that's Jesus Christ. But by the way, He also told us you need to do some things. When He called the, the apostles, what did he, what happened in Mark chapter one? Uh, I believe it's thirteen and fourteen. He says, "Come, follow me." He told them to do something. Yeah, they first had to leave. The next yeah. verse says that they left their net, they forsook their net. So they had to leave something to follow yeah. him. But he's told them, you do something, then guess what? I will make you fishers of men. He said, you do this, 
you do what I'm telling you to do this, then I'm going to do what you can't do. I'm going to yeah. make you somebody that's going to love your neighbor, love your brother. You're going to love a tax collector that, that without my grace and mercy and help, you wouldn't be able to do. So even Jesus says, you need to do something, and then I will do what you cannot do. I will Amen. make up that gap through, through the Spirit. And, and so we have to make sure that we're, we don't become spiritual socialists. I know that's kind of corny to say. We've kind of coined that phrase just earlier today. Um, but I definitely don't want to be a spiritual socialist. Amen. Um, if I could just bring up a scripture. Please. I know we're ending it. It says Proverbs 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 4. Proverbs 10 and 4. And I want to apply this kind of to the principle of that spiritual socialism that you're referring to. Uh, being lazy will make you poor, but hard work will make you re- rich. A sensible person gathers the crops when they are ready. It is a disgrace to sleep through the time of the harvest. So the point is, even the scripture teaches, you get what you work for. Yeah. Spiritually, physically, many physical principles that we see in this life also apply spiritually. And That's uh, it. the problem with the socialistic mentality is to the fact that it breeds a lack of accountability, of self-responsibility to do what needs to be done, and that's hard work for progression. Yes, that's it. That is important. I, I, I think, um, boy, I, I, Mr. Producer, where are we at for time? How, how much time are we at? We're at 35, about 35 minutes or so, maybe more. Um, I, I, I think the, the most telling example is that eventually Jesus, he rebuked those that came just for the loaves and fishes. Yeah. Um, he began to get into the world. We talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, last week, thank you, Brother Crenshaw, for to, uh, jumping on. That was incredible. A lot of great comments um, on that. So thank you last week. But two weeks ago, uh, I talked briefly about that. But he began to get into the Word of God. He began to get into some of the hard sayings. Many people left him. And they were only there for the, for the loaves and the fishes. They were only there just for the things that he was giving them, distributed to them. Yeah. And that was an immediate need that he met. But Jesus knew... They're not really following me for me. Um, they're 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 following me for just what I can give them. Yeah. That's spiritual socialism. We're just kind of we're just kind of following Christ just for what because he's just we can get stuff. Um, we can put the badge of Christianity on and we can maybe get blessings or miracles or abundance or all the promises of the Scripture, but that's just not that's not biblical. Yeah, we need to make sure that we understand. Again, I I, I hope everybody understands kind of the, the the quick detour we took there. I'm talking about the spiritual socialism. Yeah, um, we definitely coined that. There's, Someone else is talking so, about somewhere. There's so but. many things that you can that that you, it really breeds into. It's like a tree in this conversation. So yeah. it's really hard to absolutely to uh, to not hit some other points that that would so easily be able to be brought yeah, up. Yeah. Well, that um, that is all that we have for tonight. We thank you so much for joining us for tuning in. Thank you for my my good friend and co-host Matt Bell joining me once again for the month of September. Um, for uh, continuing our well-versed um, uh, conversation, biblical answers to today's toughest questions. Again, pick up this book if you haven't already. It's awesome. Read ahead. Easy read. Page chapters are short. Really cool questions to answers, uh, answers to questions, excuse me, um, that I'm, I'm sure all Christians have had. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. We love you. On behalf of Mr. Producer, thank you. We love you guys. God bless.